Super Talk Mississippi media production. In the Mississippi Legislature, Senate Bill 2145 funds health care for illegal immigrants. Call your legislator today at 601-359-3770. Ask them to stop Senate Bill 2145. It's not too late. You can help stop this. Paid for by Building America's Future. Welcome in. Good morning. Glad to see you on this Wednesday morning where Ole Miss and Mississippi State got midweek baseball wins last night. I'm here to tell you, though, that kind of feel like they were a bit of a waste of time. Talked about it on the radio yesterday. I'll explain some more with you today. Also, the SEC Hoops Tournament begins today, but does anybody around here really care? And then a quarterback stat I've got for you. So we talked about Dak's contract yesterday. And oh, by the way... Uh, The Seahawks sent a letter to all of their season ticket holders and named players that they can be looking forward to seeing this fall. Specifically, did not mention Russell Wilson. Maybe he actually could possibly be on the move. I don't know. That's something to keep an eye on, at least. And... um, but speaking of the Dak contract, there was a, a quarterback stat that I saw yesterday that's going to blow your mind a little bit, especially going into this year's draft when it feels like everybody's going to pick a quarterback, like we're going to have four or five guys get taken in the first round. This is going to blow your mind. All that coming up right here on the morning stream. Good to see you. Always glad that you are with me. I, of course, am Michael Borky. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just search my name and hit that subscribe button. It is free to you and hit that notification bell as well. And then... The podcast. This gets uploaded in podcast form every day. Just search Mike in the morning on iTunes, trying to get it to where both will show up. But Mike in the morning will get you there. Michael Borky on every other platform. Subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating and a review, and follow me everywhere on social media on that at right there. But let's get into it. So you had baseball, midweek baseball last night, the Ole Miss Mississippi State, both playing much lesser opponents and beating them the way you're supposed to beat lesser opponents. In fact, I mean, there's really only two things, aside from me telling you um, why I don't like these games. Um, Bednar pitched last night for Mississippi State. Chris Lamone has told us on the radio show that he was going to get a couple of innings of work just to kind of work himself, reacclimate himself uh, back into the rotation. Uh, he was good, only gave up one hit uh, in two innings pitched and struck out five of the six outs. So he was really good, really effective, just 31 pitches, I'm sure Chris Limonis was really, really happy uh, with what he saw from his guy last night. I mean, he told us on Monday that that's what he was looking for, and he got exactly what he was looking for. So that's a really positive story on the Mississippi State side of things. On the Ole Miss side of things, not so good news. And we'll see where this goes. Uh, You know, the way it sounds, they're not overly concerned, but here's the news anyway. Doug Nikhazy, Ole Miss's Friday night guy, is being held out this weekend with a chest strain. And he will be reevaluated next week. This is according to Nick Suss of the Clarion Ledger. He will be reevaluated next week. Uh, but Gunnar Hoagland's going to pitch Friday. Drew McDaniel's going to slide into the Saturday role, and they're going to keep Derek Diamond on Sunday. Uh, Bianco said it's not an injury that will require surgery, more rest than anything else, and they'll see how he feels when he throws again uh, next week. So, um, that 
of course, is a concern. You just you hope it's one of those things where he could have pitched. Uh, Chase Parham pointed out that he he looked kind of uncomfortable in, in his last start, kind of favoring that part of his body. Um, so maybe it's just a rest thing. Maybe they're like, you know what, this weekend, with all due respect to our opponent, if we can't beat them without you, we've got bigger problems. Rest up this week. Then Auburn in two weeks. Need you sharp then. Maybe it's one of those situations. Uh, you hope it is, of course, for Ole Miss and for Nikhazy, but that's the, the the actual news item that you can take away from the game last night, not so much the results on the field. Those were uh, what should have happened. Uh, no surprise. I mean, Tim Elko keeps hitting the baseball, which is good for that team. But um, that's the story, is Nikhazy and his health, and can he get back in time for SEC play, or will they have to mess around now with this uh, McDaniel diamond Saturday and Sunday rotation while they get Nikhazy back to health. So luckily it doesn't sound like it's anything, you know, major, like big time, like out for two months kind of injury, but still something to keep an eye on for sure. They are, um, I don't know what word that was. They are, (laughs) they are uh, expected to get Chatney back in the lineup. Uh, So that's really good uh, to get him back one week before SEC play, get him reacclimated, as I said before, and have him off to the races. Um, wow, I did not know that. Mike says Louisiana Tech, so Ole Miss has two midweek games against Louisiana Tech next week, are not giving out tickets for even the families of the players. That, oh, man. No, that's a shame. That uh, that shouldn't happen. Uh, Mississippi State won 10 to nothing. although that game did go to the full nine innings. Ole Miss and uh, Alcorn last night. Uh, was 11 to 1, and they ended that game after eight. Um, Mike says the whole program for Ole Miss is getting 25 tickets for the game. That's that's just ridiculous. Um, it's a new ballpark they're opening there, too, right? If I remember correctly, it's crazy. I've not understood why they do the two midweek games before the first SEC series. I'm sure Bianco has like a very good justification for it. Um, but I've never understood that. I mean, why would you why would you want to potentially stretch your bullpen before you start SEC play? But I'm sure, again, I'm sure he's got a motivation behind that. But these two games last night, I talked about it on the radio show some yesterday. Um, but now that we got to see it again, um, I know why they play these games. So I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth here. Uh, I know why they play these games. I think these games are important. I think it's good that you're playing these midweek games against teams from your state. I think ideally you would play your in-state FCS opponents and stuff like that as much as you possibly can. I would try to schedule them in basketball every year because of monetary reasons, not because of basketball or baseball or football reasons. Um, I understand why these games get played. I think it's a very good thing that these games get played. I think it's important to keep the money in the state when you're talking about that level of opponent. Um, I have explained before that I do not think that Ole Miss or Mississippi State should play Southern Miss in, in football because they're, they're kind of on the same level. I mean, it's, it hadn't been long ago when Southern Miss hung a billboard in this state bragging about being ranked when the other two uh, were not. That's not the kind of thing you're getting with your FCS uh, opponents in the state with Jackson State and Alcorn and Valley. That You're not getting that with those schools. Um, I understand why these games get played. 
I appreciate their importance. I grew up on FCS football. I know how important these games are to those kind of programs. Um, I pointed out before, I've said it before, so forgive me for being repetitive, but it's kind of what I do. Um, I, I grew up going to Furman games. That was my team. Um, Furman was supposed to play at Tennessee this year for $800,000. And of course that game got canceled. That $800,000 funds most of their athletic department. That game didn't get played. And so they had to cut multiple sports. If that game got played, they would not have cut sports like baseball. They cut baseball. So I recognize the value of these games, why they need to get played. I, I get it. I really do. It was a waste of time. Yet again, it was a waste of time. Uh, I mean, Mississippi State was given 10 free passes last night in nine innings. 10 free passes. Uh, Grambling, I think, yes, walked eight batters for Mississippi State and hit two of them. And Alcorn last night in seven innings, seven innings, walked 10 Ole Miss batters and hit four of them. And even when... They, they could, and I, I sound so disrespectful. I really don't mean. I, I don't mean it this way. This is just reality. I, I, I'm. I feel bad for for knocking college kids that I'm sure work really, really hard and are better athletes than I could be. I could have never played college baseball even at a, a level like that. So you know, jokes on me. But they couldn't throw strikes, and even when they did, it was stuff that. Ole Miss and Mississippi State see better in batting practice. It's the same thing I said after midweek games a couple weeks ago, but here we are again where you're playing games where your opponent can't throw strikes, and and even when they do, it's 76-mile-an-hour fastballs. It's breaking pitches that are down into the 50s in some cases. They would be better off. Seriously, they would be better off. Um not just scrimmaging each other as opposed to playing these games. I, I get it. Trust me, I get it. Yeah, that Garcia kid, um, he's he's listed at five foot four, and that might be generous. So for, for Alcorn, um, and then the guy behind him is like six foot six. <laughs> so if you're pitching uh, to, uh, to Alcorn, I think it's Alcorn, right? Um, where Garcia plays, you said JSU, but, um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's all corn. Tristan Garcia, um, is listed at five foot four, and I don't think he's five foot four. I think that's generous. I think that's five foot four with cleats and a helmet on. I mean, and he's he can play, man. Like he can really hit. I'm not I'm not making fun. He's he's a little guy. He can play, but you go from him at five foot four, listed at five foot four, and then the next guy is I'm telling you, he's like six foot five. <laughs> So your strike zone goes from about this big to like a giant. I, I mean, I, I, this guy probably gets free bases all the time because his strike zone is like the size of a mason jar. But he can he can really play, man. I, he really can. I, I would love to see uh, the picture that you got from Altuve next to Aaron Judge. I would love to see Tristan Garcia. Uh, standing next to Aaron Judge. I want that picture as well. That kid can play. He can really play. Um, but aside from him, I just I can't help but wonder if nothing was accomplished in this game. And same thing for Mississippi State. I, I mean, you, you're, you're facing guys that can't throw strikes. You're facing guys that have stuff that isn't anywhere close to, to what you'll see in, in SEC play. 
and it's the same. I would say the same thing for football too. Like I said, and Mike, you're right. It's the Paladins. Uh, I grew up on Furman football. I love it. It's good football. They should have beaten Virginia Tech. Uh, I guess it was this past season. No, it was two years ago because there was fans in the stands. They should have beaten Virginia Tech. They they were tied in the fourth quarter. So it's good football, generally speaking. But when Presbyterian came to town, when uh, Mississippi State has Abilene Christian, they'd be better off just lining up and scrimmaging each other that day. But I also understand the importance. It's like a two-side thing where I am um, – I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth because I want the games to exist, but I also think they didn't, they, they wasted everybody's time. And you're right, um, Mike, they got to get work for younger pitchers, uh, guys that really don't get it on the weekends. That's about it. That's, uh, that's really and truly uh, about it. They get wins, though, and that is the important thing, of course. Uh, again, Ole Miss 11-1 to in eight, in eight innings, Mississippi State 10 to nothing. But the two main takeaways, aside from I think that, yet again, it was another waste of time because they faced pitching that couldn't throw strikes. And even when they did, it was stuff that they'll never see again. Um, Bednar looked good in his limited action. Um, that was a really positive sign for Mississippi State. And then for Ole Miss, Doug Nikhazy's health. Um, how long is it going to be? Um, I mean, can he pitch for SEC play in two weeks? And then getting Chattanooga back. Those are your major takeaways from midweek baseball last night. But I just can't help but wonder again if that was just a waste of everybody's time. It's hard to watch. really was. The SEC basketball tournament is this week. And uh, does does anybody care? I, I have gotten such a weird vibe around here about the SEC tournament. I think most people... Their, their focus is just already, boom, it's just on on baseball. They don't even really care anymore. Um, and I think there's a couple of reasons for that. Because, number one, the SEC is a, team, is a league now, excuse me, that is going to get, I mean, six teams in, possibly seven. So there's nothing on the line for anybody in this tournament except for Ole Miss, ironically. So one of the two teams that we cover here on a daily basis – is the only team that is really playing for something. I mean, look, Kentucky could get hot and, and win the thing and make the tournament, I guess. Um, but realistically, that's not going to happen. Alabama's already in. Ar- Tennessee's already in. Arkansas's already in. LSU's already in. Florida's already in. Ole Miss is the only team with anything on the line here. So I think that's leading into some of the lack of excitement about the SEC tournament. There's really not a whole lot of hype going into this week uh, because the the SEC has become a a six-bid league and everybody's pretty solid except for Ole Miss who can play their way into the tournament with a a couple of wins. But other than that, I mean, Mississippi State fans have checked out based on the conversations I've had with them. They don't expect to win this thing. If they beat Kentucky, they're playing Alabama in game two. So – their tournament will likely end there. There's just not a whole lot of hype or, or forgive the language, give a damn uh, when it comes to this tournament in, in these teams. And I think it's because there's nothing on the line anymore. Yeah, you know, you want to hang the banner in your arena. That's great. You know, you win the SEC tournament. That, that is great. I don't mean to diminish that kind of an accomplishment. It's a good thing. But generally speaking, 
what happens next week is the only tournament that really matters, the only banner that you really truly care about hanging, and there's only one team that's fate hasn't been decided yet, and that's Ole Miss. By the way, I've seen some people suggest, and it doesn't make sense to me either, because when you look at resumes and what Ole Miss currently has done, especially lately, Ole Miss probably should be ahead of a handful of teams that are ahead of them on the bubble. But they're not. Um, I've seen some people ask, or, or, or I've had somebody ask me, you know, can they get in if they just beat South Carolina? Like, is that a possibility? It's an extreme long shot. I wouldn't bank on it. If they beat South Carolina, I guess it's possible that they get in. If they beat South Carolina and lose to LSU, I guess it's possible. I, I mean, maybe, maybe, but very unlikely. I think it's really this simple, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Looking at all the brackets and the movement and the resumes and stuff like that, Ole Miss is the top end of their resume is already very good, comparatively speaking, to the rest of the bubble. I mean, they have quadrant one wins. They have top 25 wins if they look at it. Um, They're hot. They've won seven of nine. Beating LSU, beating South Carolina is not going to help them at all, I don't think. I don't think it moves any needle. But if they beat South Carolina and then turn around and beat LSU and get an additional quadrant one win on a neutral site, get that additional mark on their resume, I think that'll do it. It's more nuanced. It's more layered. Uh, There's a lot of factors at play, but I think it's really that simple. I think if Ole Miss wins two games, they're in. And if they don't, they're not. It's really that simple. Now, they might only be in a play-in game or something like that, but if they win two games... I think they're in. I think it's really that simple when it comes to that team in the NCAA tournament. So I have not felt a lot of, again, I've not felt a lot of give a damn around here about the SEC basketball tournament. It starts today. There's only one game, but it starts today. It's uh, A&M and Vanderbilt. You can watch two teams that have combined for 16 wins on the season tonight in the SEC tournament. I mean, I got to set my alarm. I got to tell my wife, you know, hey, we're not, we're not, uh, catching up on our shows tonight because I, I got to see the Commodores and the Aggies battle it out for the, uh, for the, for the SEC tournament tonight. I mean, if you can watch two eight win teams play in a conference tournament, you got to do it. You, you just got to do it. All right. Here's your stat of the day. This is kind of mind blowing more than kind of mind blowing. So Dak Prescott signed his mega deal yesterday, right? Uh, he, Big, big contract, second highest paid quarterback of all time, which means he's the second highest paid player of all time. Um, Highest signing bonus ever, um, $42 million a year on average for the next three years. Big, big contract, a lot of of opinions on both sides. Um, I'm very happy for him. The human element, I, I love that he got it, but I think it's a bad deal for Dallas. Doesn't matter. Today, here's your stat of the day. Dak Prescott was picked number 135 in his draft, 135. There were seven quarterbacks taken ahead of him in the draft, seven. Um, Not a single one, not one, is with their current, or the team that drafted him, not one. Jared Goff was taken number one overall. He got a bad contract. He was shipped off to Detroit. Carson Wentz was taken number two overall. Got a bad contract the team wanted out of. They shipped him off to Indianapolis for pennies. 
Paxton Lynch out of Memphis. You guys remember him. If you're an Ole Miss fan, you remember him beating you uh, in the Liberty Bowl that day. Paxton Lynch is no longer with a team in the NFL. Christian Hackenberg was taken almost 100 picks ahead of Dak Prescott. He is currently not with a team. Jacoby Brissett played with the Colts, but he's currently a free agent. He was taken at 91, does not currently have a team. Cody Kessler was taken 42 spots ahead of Dak Prescott, currently does not have a team. Connor Cook was taken 35 spots ahead of Dak Prescott, currently does not have a team. I've often theorized that although you have some people that say, and you know they're probably right, that in the NFL, quarterbacks are a premium. If you've got a good quarterback, you have to give him some stupid, massive contract. you got to lock it up because it's a quarterback-driven league, and you got to pay your guys when it's their turn and all that stuff. I understand that. You've also got people that think that when you have an early draft pick, you have to select a quarterback. Even the Green Bay Packers, pick wasn't all that early, decided even though Aaron Rodgers uh, was still in his prime with multiple years left on his deal and he went and had an MVP season this year, they had to pick a quarterback because there's a quarterback they like and they just had to waste their pick on Aaron Rodgers and draft a quarterback. They, they just couldn't help themselves. They had to draft Aaron Rodgers. They had to pick, or excuse me, they had to draft Jordan Love. And even though they have Rodgers, they just had to take a quarterback. I have often said that there are times where NFL teams are in search of a quarterback and they just insist on drafting one and making him the next guy. When you think deep down, or at least I think deep down, they know that he's not really the guy. Mitch Trubisky. And then after you've realized you've made that mistake, they're doubling down on him. If they don't get Russell Wilson, they're riding with Mitch Trubisky again, possibly. I mean, there are reports out that Chicago likes what they've seen and they want to run him back for another year or or something like that. But when when you're looking at the NFL draft this year and the, the possibility of teams selecting quarterbacks where there are plenty of options out there right now, guys that have performed in the NFL, maybe not at an elite level, but guys that have performed in the NFL, you've got... Jimmy Garoppolo, that the 49ers want to move on from. Teddy Bridgewater, that the Panthers want to move on from. Sam Darnold, that the Jets want to move on from. The Saints are, I think they're going to end up with Jameis Winston as much as I want Russell Wilson, but I actually like that strategy. If I'm New Orleans, it's my decision-making would be simple. Go do everything I can to get Russell Wilson, and if they say no, I ride with Jameis. Because you know, even with his flaws, that Jameis Winston can produce in the NFL. You don't throw for 5,000 yards by accident. You don't do it. If the Saints were to instead not commit to Jameis and they just decide, you know what, I just got to get a quarterback. I need to get a quarterback. And they draft a Kellen Mond or a Kyle Trask, which they may end up getting because he's plummeting on some draft boards. But... Using your first-round pick when your roster has holes other than the quarterback position, I think has been proven time and time again to be a wasted pick. And here's a great example. This stat about Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott was the 135th pick taken. And every quarterback, all seven in front of him, are not with their current team anymore. 
you don't have to just go get a quarterback because you have a first-round pick and you're not sold on the guy you've got. Because when you look around the NFL and the teams that are really, really good right now, they all have one thing in common. They're not paying their quarterbacks an insane amount of money. New Orleans was paying Breeze a team-friendly deal. The Patriots slashed the Bucks. Tom Brady, team-friendly deal. The Rams, when they beat the Saints in the 2018 NFC Championship, golf was on a rookie deal. Then they paid him. Then they regretted it. The Buffalo Bills have a quarterback on a rookie deal. The Baltimore Ravens have a quarterback on a rookie deal. The Kansas City Chiefs have had a quarterback on a rookie deal. Now look at the mega contracts. The Rams, like I said, regretted their deal. The Eagles regret their deal. Russell Wilson wants out of Seattle in part because they didn't build enough around him and because they had to work around his mega deal. Deshaun Watson wants out of Houston. There's something to not paying a premium for your quarterback. If a guy like Teddy Bridgewater is out there available for you, which Carolina is making such a bad mistake here because apparently they're trying to deal Bridgewater. Well, you've got a roster with flaws all over it. It's not a good roster. It's not a well-structured roster. And yet here they are blaming Teddy Bridgewater for everything. It's not his fault. If you trade for Deshaun Watson, you're still going to be bad. Deshaun Watson's better than Teddy Bridgewater, but you're not winning anything at all with Deshaun Watson on that roster. You're not winning anything. The Texans couldn't win. He's a great player, but they had organizational incompetence and a roster that didn't make very much sense, and so they didn't win. That's what the Panthers are dealing with. Build your roster first. Focus on the other 52 guys, and if you can get an elite quarterback, great. But if you sacrifice roster building for your elite quarterback, you're going to fail. Or if you if you sacrifice roster building to draft a quarterback, you're going to fail. You know what the Saints need? A linebacker. That's what they need. They need to draft a linebacker more so than they do Mac Jones. So with the 28th pick, instead of maybe trading up to go get their quarterback because Breeze is gone, no. What you do is you stay at 28 and you draft a linebacker, which you need more than a quarterback because you've got Jameis right now with flaws, but he's capable. Seven guys ahead of Dak, not a single one is on their current team. Maybe you don't have to trade up to draft a quarterback. Maybe you don't have to spend an insane amount of money to keep your guy. Roster building is more important because the best teams in the NFL have quarterbacks on team-friendly deals or quarterbacks on rookie deals. There's something to it, and I think it's more than just circumstance. Mike says Chad Kelly's available. He is. I think he'll find himself on a roster somewhere. He's too talented not to be. He's uh, he's just too talented not to be on a roster somewhere. We'll, uh, we'll see where he lands. I keep having friends ask me if uh, New Orleans will sign him to be like Jameis's backup or something. Um, boy, Swag Kelly in New Orleans, that would be something. You just need to go ahead and send like an MTV film crew and just to follow him around. And just not because he'd get in any trouble. I mean, he might. But I would love to just see and hear Chad Kelly, Buffalo Chad Kelly, 
learning about New Orleans. You know what I mean? Just like walking in the French Quarter and being like, what, what's that? Just those conversations. Um, my little guy's calling my name. Y'all have a, a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for tuning in, as you always do. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel or the podcast. You can get me anywhere you consume content. You can find this there. Thank you for tuning in, as you always do. Check out the radio show in the afternoon, of course. And um, we'll see you tomorrow at 8. Y'all have a good one. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.